You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Good morning. Okay. I love the energy. It's great to get caught up with everybody. We're going to get into God's Word. Uh, it's so good to be back uh, after our, our time away and uh, grabbing our daughter uh, in New Zealand. And I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Michael, and, uh, who kicked off our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, Ray and Chucks, who, talked, uh, who spoke on love and uh, joy. And this week, we're going to continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, talking about peace. And, you know, I'm really uh, thankful for this series. I think um, you either take one approach, it seems like, in the church, you know, as we jerk the wheel from one side to the other, it's either uh, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, because, you know, it's just a lot of weird stuff talked about with the Holy Spirit, so we just, we just don't talk about it. Or, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is uh, said that he does all these kind of crazy things. And I think a series like this where we're reminded that what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, that we might look more and more like God, that we might look like Jesus. This is the role of the Spirit. And if you think that's not uh, powerful, then you do not know the sin of your own life, right? Uh, I've been very convicted as I've worked on this this sermon uh, this week on peace, uh, how many times I fall short in regards to uh, having peace with others and having peace within. And so I'm really encouraged that each week we get to take one of these uh, fruits of the Spirit and, and to just think about what does that look like in my life? If I am walking by the power of the Spirit, how should peace be seen in my life? And this is what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you've been with us uh, for a while, you'll remember our series in Genesis. We started last September, and you know there, there was a good couple of chapters, right? There, there was there was a lot of harmony between Adam and Eve. They were one. There was there's this this beautiful relationship we've seen there. And then when sin came into the world, instantly there was conflict, right? Right off the bat, there's, there's conflict between Adam and Eve. Adam's blaming Eve. Eve's blaming Satan. And there's this, this, there's this conflict. There's this lack of trust right away. And you flip over to chapter 4 and we have our first murder. And by the time you get to chapter 6, you see that the earth is full of violence. A conflict, a chaos, has part, been part of our world ever since the fall. And even after God flooded the earth, there's, there's still been this, this tendency for violence uh, amongst us. And in the, in the text that we are kind of using as our springboard in Galatians chapter 5, uh, we, we see in the verses previous, talk, what does it look like to walk in the flesh? What does it look like for you and I just to live life as we have been created? Uh, to, to just kind of go on our default position as humanity. What do we do? Well, we rebel against God, and then we do things like this. We see enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. And, and this was written 2,000 years ago, and there's nobody here in this room who's like, well, what are those things? I, I'm not understanding. What, what is strife? What, are, what, is, what is jealousy? Like, like, it's still very much a part of our world. And so how is it possible as believers to have peace in a world like that? You, you don't have to just think about the world out there. You can think about yourself and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see some of those things in my life from time to time. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, divisions, envy. How can then I have peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ, with, with those around me at work, and peace within? How is that possible? Well, that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. But before we do, let me pray for us. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time to gather this morning. It is so good to gather together as the body of Christ. I love just that, that it took a while for everybody to quiet down. That's, that's just such a, 
a blessing as, as people are getting to know one another and getting caught up as to how things are going. And uh, Lord, that's the, that's the grace that you've given us, Lord, to, to gather together on a weekly basis. Lord, you encourage it. You, you instruct us to do it because, you, Lord, you know it's good for our souls. And so, God, we, we thank you for this grace. And Lord, we thank you for the grace of your word this morning. Lord, as we're going to be looking at many different passages, Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help this preacher to speak your truth accurately when, in, when it comes to what does it mean uh, to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? And so, Lord, uh, use this preacher for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and just slip up your hand. We're going to be flipping around a lot. Matthew is going to be putting up a lot of the different verses that we're going to be looking at. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you uh, are, are kind of new to the church, uh, write notes down, all right? And they get something out, use your phone, okay, whatever you need to do. But write the things down because we're going to be going through this very quickly. We're going to be looking, I don't know, I didn't count how many scriptures, but we're looking at a lot of scriptures, okay? And, and, and what I want us to see is this, this overwhelming information that God has given us in regards to peace and what he has for us. Uh, We're going to begin by just kind of setting uh, the stage for this series and just remind us of what is it we're springing from. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 24. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 24. Uh, He has just talked about the works of the flesh. What does that look like? But now he gives the contrast in verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now later this morning we'll see that as we have crucified these desires, we now are to walk and live by the Spirit. And this is the freedom that we have in Christ. We have been given God's Holy Spirit to live within us. And as such, we ought to see our lives look differently. So peace in a world of chaos and conflict, first of all, knows this, knows the foundation of peace. Knows the foundation of peace. This morning, do you know where peace comes from? Do you understand that there is only one way for peace? Peace is hard to find in this world. Most people desire it, not everybody it seems, but most people desire to be at peace with one another. And so they will spend millions, if you were to gather up the the tally, maybe even billions in this world is spent on trying to find peace with one another. Individuals will pay a lot of money to counselors with the hope that they might find peace with one another. Uh, Diplomats will get together on national levels to try to bring about peace. When peace is not found, it is also costly. You think about the courts, how much uh, money has been spent in courts between companies and individuals in order to try to find some kind of justice. So just as there is true on a relational level that there's a high cost for peace, that it is also true spiritually. Peace with God was only made possible at a great cost. You know, a lot of people think they're kind of neutral when it comes to God, right? Like, I, I believe in God, you know. Oh, do you, do you go to church anywhere? No, I don't, I don't do that. You know, I'm not religious. But I believe there's a God, you know, and he and I were just, we're, every now and then I'll pray, right? How many people do you know are like that, right? They're just kind of, we're good. I I don't know how it all works. I haven't really looked a whole lot into it, but I look around, yeah, probably there's probably a God, and, uh, but we're, we're neutral. And I think we're, we maybe even be friends. But the Bible says that's actually not the way it is. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, we're actually enemies of God. Uh, there's, there's, there's several passages that point this out. Galatians, or sorry, Colossians 1 21 says that we were once alienated from God. Before Christ, we were alienated from him. We were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. What are evil deeds? It is doing anything that is contrary to the scripture. It is living life to the beat of my own drum. 
Doing what I want versus what God would want. Walking in rebellion to his lordship, that is all sin. Romans 5.10 tells us that we were enemies of God before Christ. See, sin separates us from God. And in our nature, we do not want to do the things God wants us to do. That's just the way that we are born. That's the way that we grow up. We, we, we are rebellious in our nature. Anybody who has young children don't have to wonder whether or not children have rebellion built up within them, right? If you don't have a child like that, come talk to me. I'd love to meet them. But, um, but that's, that's us, right? And as a result of that, in our rebellion against God, we have an enemy. And so the idea of peace for the unbeliever is it's elusive, There is no lasting peace. I mean, you think about how many things are done in this world to try to kind of some some kind of peace, right? You know, there's the, I don't know, the the folding of the legs and the putting the, you know, I don't don't know. I don't look into these kind of things. But there's, you know, and they kind of like empty my mind of everything so that I might what? So that I might try to find peace. There's this, this pursuit of peace, but it will be elusive for the unbeliever. It tells us in Isaiah 57... Verse 20 and 21, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And so they they will try whatever they can to try to find this peace, but they will never find it. There is no peace for the wicked. It can only be found in one place, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way for us to be reconciled to God. There is no other way. And until you and I are reconciled to him, you will never experience true peace in your life. You'll have these these false notions of it, but you will never experience true peace until you found it through Jesus Christ. Menenkoff says this, from Genesis to Revelation, the root of peace is the atoning work of God. When you hear the word peace, think of God making a way for sinners to be reconciled to him. There was no way for you and I to be made right with God in our own ways, in our own strength. But God, in his love for us, sent Christ. He lived the perfect life on this earth, walking in perfect subjection to the will of the Father, doing everything that the Father asked of him. And as he did that, it included laying down his life For you and I. And as he's on the cross, my sin, your sin, is placed upon the cross. And righteousness and justice are satisfied on the cross as God pours out his wrath on Christ because of my sin. For your sin. And the sins of all who would believe in him, Christ paid perfectly on the cross. And therefore, we are now reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. When Jesus looks at us, he does not see sin. It says in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be justified? It is just as if you have never sinned. How did that take place? Well, Christ took your sins, paid for them, and then gave you his perfect righteousness. And so before God, we are, our sins have been forgiven, and now we have peace with him. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This position, I love how it says stand. It is permanent. It is not something that will come and go. Our salvation is secure in him. Later on, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have peace with God. It's a permanent peace that we have received from God through Jesus Christ. Are you experiencing that peace this morning? 
And not just the objective reality, but has it sunk in that, that you are now a child of God? You are no longer an enemy. You are a part of his family. You are a new creation. He is giving you his Holy Spirit to live within you. You no longer need to worry about judgment day because you know that all your sins have been paid for through him. This is what peace with God looks like. If you have never put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, then listen to what Paul would say to you this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. Paul says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so Paul would say to you this morning, if you have never been made right with God, be made right this morning. Be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. And for the first time, know his peace. Know his forgiveness. I love in Acts 10, 36, the gospel is referred to as the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Have you thought about the gospel that way? That, that, that if you're not in Christ, you're an enemy of him. And so as we bring the good news, it says you can be made right with him. It has been made possible through Jesus Christ. Your sins can be forgiven you can now become a part of God's family. I love how Wright puts it. Peace with God means peace of heart and conscience. The absence of, absence of guilt and fear. Peace is now the reality for the believer because of Christ. We have peace not only because he has saved us, but because he is saving us and changing us and making us more like him. And we are confident that on the last day he will save us. Our salvation is complete in him. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Isn't that bring you peace this morning? I don't know. Am I going to make it? You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I don't know if I'm going to be saved. You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because he who saved you is saving you. He's changing you and he will save you. Another verse, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, says that the, it is the God of peace's intention to equip you with every, everything good that you might do his will. So it's not me mustering up the strength. It is me submitting to the Lord God's work in my life and allowing the Spirit to have his way. And then he will change me. He will make me more and more like him. As you go through the, uh, the letters that Paul wrote, that, that Peter wrote, oftentimes at the beginning, they say this. They, they talk about the, 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 there's a greeting that includes peace, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our reality. We have peace from Him. And yet, as you continue on in the Scripture, we see that we're also to strive for peace. We're to strive for peace. This brings us to our next point. Peace in a world of chaos and conflict strives for the flourishing of peace. The flourishing of peace. Bridges says this, we must pursue what makes for peace, both within and without, in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, realizing that the fruit of peace is his fruit, not ours, right? There is this personal responsibility to submit to him, but then also realizing unless he does it, it won't happen, right? It's interesting as, um, as we look at this section right after uh, the Galatians 5, what I read earlier, it says in Galatians 5, 25 and 26, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He's he's saying, listen, you have been filled with the Spirit of God. Don't go back to the ways of the flesh. There is a choice that needs to be made in your life on a daily basis. This takes effort and intentionality. But as we walk by the Spirit, we are able to say no to conceit and envy and provoking one another. And instead, we're able to live with one another with peace, in peace. As we think about church history, we think about the early days of the church, both Jew and Gentile got saved. And the message to the church was this, you are now one in me and you ought to be reconciled with one another. In Christ, we are now one. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Let me read that. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, that's the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So not only do we receive peace with God when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, but we also receive peace with one another. We have why? Because we have the same Lord, we have the same spirit. Christ has broken down those past hostilities that once were there. And so whatever grievances, hostilities that you had with someone else before Christ, they have been erased when you are now in Christ together. So think about that today. A Russian person gets saved. A Ukrainian person gets saved. They can go to church and truly love one another because of Jesus Christ. A Jewish person can be saved. A Palestinian person can be saved. They can go to the same church and truly love one another because of what Christ has done. He has broken down those past hostilities. He's enabled them to forgive one another, to love one another, to have at peace with one another because of the cross. Now, it's interesting. He says that we are now one in the church. Is there any other place uh, who talks about being one? Does anybody remember that? Uh, marriage. Yeah, marriage. Huh, interesting. Okay. So we're one in marriage and we are one in the church. Now there's obviously some different implications for marriage uh, in regards to being one in the flesh. But I think when you think about those two scenarios, being one in marriage and one in the church, anybody married ever have a conflict with their spouse? Anybody? Has that happened? Okay, so it does happen. Okay, I wouldn't know, but yeah, yeah, right. Okay, right? We what? We all have these times in our life where we default to back to our flesh. We get jealous. We get envious. We misunderstand one another. We jump to conclusions. And peace is in jeopardy, Right? It happens in the church. It happens in our marriages. What must happen in those scenarios? You must be quick to confess your sins to one another, and you must be quick to extend forgiveness to one another. This is the only way peace is maintained. There's many verses on this. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Uh, Paul has just talked about the the, the great theological uh, 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 truths of our salvation. And then he says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Does that describe you this morning? Are you someone who is humble, gentle, patient? Someone who is eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit? 
Now, if we're walking in our flesh, you could quickly say, no, that is not me. That is not me. And if we're all being honest, this is, why does this message bring conviction? Because all of us can say, no, that's not, that's, no. <laughs> More times in my life than I want to say, I am not gentle. I am not humble. I am not patient. Like, Lord, help us. And this is the whole point. Lord, help us. We need his strength, his power every day in order to walk in obedience to these commands. Lord, help us to to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And my prayer is, as, as people would come and visit us, that they would see us different than the world that they would see us gathering from so many different ethnicities and, and age groups and, and, and likes and interests and that they would see that we truly love one another. Not because we are exceptional people, but because we have an awesome God who has given us his Holy Spirit to live within us, to empower us to love in a supernatural way. That, that we would, they would see us be quick to confess sin to one another. That they would see us be quick to overlook an offense. That we would truly care for one another. Paul wrote so much on the importance of unity. Jesus wrote and prayed about unity with one another. It is such an important thing in the church. It is not a, a, a tack on in the church. It is something that we must strive for. In Romans chapter 14 and 15, he was talking about different conflicts. In that particular regard, Romans 14, there were some people who thought, hey, bacon sandwiches, you got to go for it. So good. There's other people who are like, you can't eat that. God, God's not for that. And what did he say? How are you to deal with that? To, to kind of pressure someone into your side on that particular thing? No, here's what he said in Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. If you have a stronger faith, you, you are super gracious and helpful with the person who is weak in faith. That's what love does. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 2, he says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This is the, 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 the desire of a church who wants to maintain peace, who is eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, that's, I'm not saying we compromise the Word of God. Please hear that. If you're having peace and you don't believe in anything, well, that's, that's not true peace. But clearly, the scriptures teach us that we're not always going to agree on everything. And what needs to be at the forefront of our conversations with one another is love and a fight to maintain peace. I think about somebody like R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur. Did they believe uh, the same thing on infant baptism? They did not believe the same thing, right? R.C. Sproul has perfect theology now. He's in heaven, right? And, and, and MacArthur is working his way there. He won't be too much longer on the earth probably. But, but when you watch them de- debate with one another, they truly loved one another in the debate and respected one another. They are a, a model of how we can disagree on different things in the church and still love one another well and be at peace with one another. It all begins with the mind of Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Is that how you view those around you? Lead each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is how Christ lived. This is how you and I are to live as we walk by the power of the Spirit. We consider others as more important than ourselves. And as we do so, it helps us to to have that bond of peace with one another. So the question this morning is this, how are you doing at living at peace with one another? Can you say that you're the kind of person that as much as it depends on you, you're at peace with one another? 
Now, I've mentioned this a few times, but as we've come out of the COVID era, whatever we're going to call that crazy time we just went through, uh, I've seen this increased hostility towards one another in the church. Uh, Those who once were like-minded and who would have walked together have have caught, you know, they're, they're sending grenades at one another from a distance. That ought not to be the way. And so I, I want us just to say, that's what I'm seeing generally. How are you doing, though, specifically? Are you someone who, who as much as it is possible, that you are maintaining peace? It says in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Is that your heart? God, whatever it takes, I, I want to be at peace with all. Lord, Lord I, I, I'll be quick to admit my own faults. Did you know that rarely is somebody 100% at fault in any conflict? We all have something to contribute. Are you quick to admit your part in that? Are you quick to admit your sin so that you might be reconciled to those around you? Sometimes people don't want to be reconciled. Have you had that in your life? You've pursued it, you've tried, you, you, you know, you've done everything you can, but it's like, I don't want to talk to you. I never want to see you again. So what do you do? You pray for them. You pray for them, that God might remove that bitterness from their heart, that God might help them to forgive, that God might help them to walk as Christ walked. And until that time, you, 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 you just continue to pray for them. Sometimes there is no reconciliation. You look at the life of Paul, at the, at the end of his life, there are lots of people who deserted him, people who left him. He, he didn't have a, you know, a hallmark ending to his life about all these great relationships he had. But as much as possible, on your behalf, you live at peace with those around you. And part of that equation is how forgiving are you? Are you someone who is quick to forgive because Christ has forgiven you much? Or are you someone who kind of holds off on the forgiveness? Well, let me see. I'll have to see whether I'm going to actually forgive you or not. I, I got to, you know, here's my, here's my steps to prove whether or not I'm going to forgive you. Or do you forgive as Christ has forgiven you? Is it easy to forgive? It's not easy. So once again, I remind you, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that we can do only as we submit to the Lord, as we pray to Him and ask God to help us to forgive. Are you someone who's known to be a peacemaker? Do you initiate the process of reconciliation when there's conflict? Are you walking on obedience to to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit of Peace? Are you quick to say the thing that caused division? Do you always have to be right? Are you okay to lay aside an offense? Are you okay to confess your sin in the conflict? And here's another thing. Are you known to be someone who has close relationships with people of all ethnicities and backgrounds and ages because of your being one with Christ? 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Maybe just an aside, what about the unbeliever? How am I, am I, is the same standard? Am Am I to live at peace with them as well? As much as it depends on you. Like, what kind of a witness would it be for you to go to someone and say, listen, I sinned against you. You may not understand what I mean by sin, but here's what it means. And would, I'm asking you, would you forgive me? Now, they may not forgive you. They have zero grounds to do so. They don't know the love of Christ. They don't know the forgiveness that Christ has given them. But it gives you an opportunity to be a witness to them. And so, again, as much as it depends on you, whether it be believer or unbeliever, you try to be at peace with them. There's a proverb, and again, a proverb is a general rule. It's not a promise, but a proverb in Proverbs 16, 7 that says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. 
And so as you walk in the ways of the Lord, God has a way of making even your enemies be at peace with you. Bridges says this, because peace is a fruit of the Spirit, we are dependent upon the Spirit's work in our lives to produce the desire and means to pursue peace. But we are also responsible to use the means he has given us and to take all practical steps to attain both peace within and peace with others. And so this morning, how are you doing? As as we've been talking about this this morning, has the Spirit of God brought to mind relationships where you know things aren't right right now. And maybe it's your marriage. It could be even that. On the way here, you had a major blow up. And you're just like, you're, you know, you're sitting beside each other because that's what you're supposed to do in church. But in your heart, you're not sitting close to one another. Be resolved that as soon as church is over, you're going to get things right. Maybe it's a, a relative. Maybe it's a coworker. May you have the resolve by the power of the Spirit this morning to make peace, to be at peace with all, and, and, and be quick to forgive. May the Lord help us. But I want to end now with looking at that last peace, that peace within. Peace in a world of chaos and conflict clings to the filling of peace, the filling of peace. The opposite of having peace within is what? It's to be anxious. It's to worry. It's, it's to panic. You know, it's interesting. Just as we've seen an increase in animosity towards one another in the body of Christ, I've also witnessed an increase in anxiety, in worry, in fear within the body of Christ. And I think a, lot, a large part of that is because we just went through a tribulation together. Everybody went through the same tribulation at the same time. And we went through a time where things happened that we thought would never happen. And we lost control, right? We, 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 we weren't in control of the situation. We wanted to be in control, but we weren't in control and we did not like it, right? Anybody, did anybody like that time? Regardless of what you felt about COVID, nobody felt in control and nobody liked it. We can all agree on that. And, and when you go through a tribulation like that, when you go through a trial like that, and I can, I can attest as someone who had a daughter have a brain injury 11 years ago, I, I, I wanted this after a trial. I want control. God, that was, you know, whatever. You got us through it, and we're thankful for it, but we're done on the trials for a while, okay? We're going to take a time out on that, and now I'm in control, okay? Just for a while. Doesn't have to be a long time, but, and do you, you know what I'm talking about? Where's the peace there? You experiencing peace when you're thinking like that? When you're living like that? Any kind of little thing rises up and you're just, you're anxious, right? You worry. And that's what happens when we don't live in the way that God wants us to live. When we walk according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. Jesus, when he's speaking to disciples not long before their greatest trial, he said this in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I want us to note two things there. One, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. This this idea that if you come to faith in Christ, all your problems are over is not a biblical idea. This is in the Bible over and over again, that you will have tribulation. You will have problems in your life. This is a guarantee. We live in a world of chaos and conflict, and you will be impacted by that. But then he says this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in Christ, you may have peace. So as we think about those two things, I want you to understand that what God is saying is is this. He is over everything in your life. Everything. Everything. And where I find this specifically convicting in my life is I live often as if he is not. 
Not in the big things. Not in the big things, I'm like, I, I got nothing. God, you got to do this. But in the small things, I feel like he's not there and I got to take care of this. What, 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 what kinds of things am I talking about? A vehicle breaking down. An appliance breaking down. Kids getting sick just before you go on vacation. Getting let go from your job. Not getting the raise or promotion. Going to the grocery store and them not having the thing that you need for supper in like five minutes from now, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like those things. And, and, and you just like instantly, you're angry and you're just like, ah, you know, it's like, and God's like, I'm over everything. Even the fact that they didn't have sugar at that place. Do you believe that this morning? Because Jesus really tried to make sure that we'd understand that. Matthew chapter 10, 29 to 31. He says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? He's like, according to the world, they're basically worthless, right? That's why he uses that as an analogy. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God's saying, look, I I take care of even a sparrow, which you don't think is worth anything. I take care of them, and not one of them passes from this earth without me allowing it. I watch over it. And, And do you not think that you're more valuable than they? The Lord knows everything about us. And he wants us to trust in him in everything in our lives. He promised in Romans 8 that everything works together for good. Again, use that word everything. Everything, everything, everything. Not, there's no exception to everything. Do we understand that? He's using everything in your life for your good. To make you more like Jesus. So that he might be glorified. But what do we do? How can this fender bender, bender be used for good? Right? Like seriously. It's such an inconvenience. And God, it's your money. It's your money, God. Like, don't, don't we want me to use it for good? I mean, like, he's like, I, I wanted that mechanic to have it. You know, whatever. Do, do we trust him? How can my long-term illness be good? How can... How can that person have everything that I want and I not get it? How can they have a life that seems like no problems and I have a a life that seems like I have a problem every five minutes? In those moments, what? We're doubting God's goodness. We were struggling with whether he is really in control. And if he's really in control, is he really good? You know, we just want things to turn out the way we want them to turn out. And when we live life like that, we forfeit his peace. And instead, we invite bitterness, anxiousness, and worry into our lives. That's the exchange. When you live by the flesh. Jesus, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. We're not going to read that this morning. But his whole point there in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. And again, I just encourage you to read it this week. Encourage your own souls. I know what you need to eat. I know what you need to drink. I know what you need to wear. Like, like seriously, like, look at creation. Do, do I not think that I take care of my creation? And if you are not more valuable than they, do you not think that I will take care of those things? So stop being anxious. Stop worrying, he says. But seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. That's what I want you to do. That's what you focus on. And I'll take care of everything else. Do you believe that this morning? Prescription for all of us who struggle with anxiety and worry is this, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything. Not the traffic jam. Not the long line. Not the canceled doctor appointment. Not the, like, anything. Anything. 
Like that covers everything. And then he says this, but in everything. What does that tell us? There is nothing too small to bring to the Lord, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He said, listen, I, I, I don't care how small the thing is. Bring it to me. Pray to me. There was a, so we got back on Wednesday. Gabs' phone's not working. What's going on? Why is it not working? I don't know. Why is it not working? Gabs looks into it. We call the, the phone provider. Like, they try to help us out. It's still not working. I'm looking at it. It looks like it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's acting like you're in the United States. What's going on? So I pull out the SIM card. And it's like, whoa, it's an AT&T SIM card. Okay, that's a problem. And, and, and so it's like, okay, Gabs, where's your, where's your SIM card? I, 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 I put it in this one location. And so, okay, so I said, well, did you, did you pray about it? And I prayed. And we're all looking now, like, where's the SIM card? Like, is this, is this a big deal? Like, does God care? It's a SIM card. Like, we can figure it out. Like, we could get a new SIM card, need a new phone, whatever. But we prayed. We looked everywhere. Guess what? Couldn't find it. Looked at, oh, maybe it fell out in the suitcase. The suitcase. Look, no, it's not there. And we had to suffer in Hawaii for a little bit, so there was some sand in the suitcase. And, and, and so, so I go out and I, and I flip up the suitcase. And there's a SIM card. Like, God cares. And we got to rejoice and, and, and say, Lord, you're so good. You're so faithful even in something so insignificant like a SIM card. Like take everything to him. Not not just the big things, but everything. And then he says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, where's that peace come from? It doesn't come from your circumstances changing. Your circumstances may not change when you pray. God may not let you find the SIM card. But the peace comes from recognizing anew, you are in charge, God. You're over every single thing, and I am submitted to you now for you to do what you would will. Lord, I want to become more and more like Christ. So God, help me to trust. And as you trust in him, what happens? You have a peace that passes all understanding. Even when your circumstances don't change. Because you know that he is in control. And that he loves you. And he cares for you. Sometimes we forfeit the peace even after we've prayed. Because we want him to change the circumstances in the way that we said. In the timing that we said. But true peace comes when you truly lay it down. That word for cast is like throw. When you throw your anxieties to him, not expecting a return pass. Wright says this, this is not just a blasé, happy-go-lucky attitude. Rather, it is a settled trust in God's fatherly care and a steady refusal to give in to anxieties. It is an act of will in which we choose not to worry but to pray and trust God. So this morning, if you are anxious, if you are full of worry, can I just encourage you to continually take those anxiousness, that anxiousness and those worries to the Lord in prayer, truly giving them over to him and then trusting him, asking him, Lord, give me peace. Give me peace. You say in your word that if I put my trust in you, that, Lord, you would give me peace, that that would be a fruit of the Spirit of God living within me. Lord, I'm asking for that this morning. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It is God's desire to fill you with peace. Having reconciled you to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, we now have peace with him, with one another, and peace within. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Pray that you've been encouraged this morning. Pray that God would give you the strength and power to repent 
if you need to repent of something in your life, if you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that right now you would see that you can be reconciled to him. He loves you. He died for you so that you could be in relationship with him. So I pray this morning you would repent. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're walking in enmity with someone else, I pray that you would repent. If you are anxious and worry, worry, full of worry in your life, I pray that you would repent and place your trust once more in him. God, have your way in us and may your peace abound. Amen? Let me pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word, for your peace. God, the world would know no peace if it was not for you, the God of peace. God, thank you that many, many in this room know your peace today. They no longer need to be anxious about sin, Lord, they know that you have forgiven them wholly their sin. They no longer need to worry about judgment day. They know that they would be welcomed into your place, into heaven with you because they have been forgiven. Lord, what a, what a gift you have given us. And then, Lord, I pray, would you, would you help us this week? Help us to say no to the flesh and to walk by the Spirit. And may we see peace in our relationships with one another. Lord, I pray for the, the marriage that it's in trouble right now. God, I pray that this would be a fresh reminder not to continue to allow things to escalate, but to get help if help be needed. Lord, I pray for, 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 for humility in each one of us, Lord, that we would be quick to confess our sins rather than waiting for the other person to do so. God, help us to be eager to maintain peace. And then, God, when it comes to living life out, walking in trust of you, God, I pray that we would have the peace that passes all understanding, Lord, as we go through each day, through the big things and through the little things. Lord, help us to trust you. You are such a good God. You are so faithful. Help us to see that faithfulness day in and day out. And Lord, through it all, bring yourself honor and glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.